grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text today is from John. There was a man sent from God whose name was John, a different John. This is John the Baptist. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light. These things took place in Bethany across the Jordan where John was baptizing. And the next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Dear friends of Christ, this is the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. One of the things we don't talk much about in the Lutheran church is Old Testament prophecy. And it's a fascinating subject as you study what the prophets said before Jesus arrived. Because they all prophesied that things would take place. The first thing that would take place before the Messiah would be born is a prophet would show up. This prophet, of course, was going to proclaim. He was going to tell people, the Messiah is coming. Soon. Repent. That was going to be the message of the prophet. And, of course, that's, that, was, that was John John the Baptist's job. And so the people of the Old Testament were waiting for two things. If you were a, a, a child of God, a, a, you know, a believer of God back then, you wanted two things to happen. You wanted this prophet to show up, and you wanted the Messiah to come. And that's what you looked for every single year. Every single year. The prophet to come, the Messiah to come. When's the Messiah going to come? And they said that in every Passover. And they would repeat that every single year at the Passover. When will he come? When will he come? When will he be here? And then when they actually show up, because this is what the people thought they wanted, they thought they wanted the prophet, this, the, uh, John the Baptist, the great prophet, just before Jesus. And they thought that they wanted Jesus, but their message was repent. Their message was change, turn, stop sinning. Come back to Christ. Seek forgiveness. Seek His mercy. And the people didn't like that message. They thought they wanted this prophet. They thought they wanted this Savior. But they didn't like the message, and so most refused to come. So John the Baptist, though, was sent by God to fulfill this prophecy, sent by the Lord as a witness now, to testify about the light, because he wasn't, himself wasn't the light. So John the Baptist's job was to tell, to, was to testify, was to proclaim, was to share, was to speak. To, to point everybody to Jesus like a Christmas tree points us to the Jesus in heaven. And of course, that's what he said, behold the Lamb of God, there he is. He's, he pointed his own disciples to Jesus and said, Behold, there's a Lamb of God. Stop following me. Now you need to follow Him. And all of John the Baptist apostles left Him and followed Jesus. We share the same privilege because we have the same thing. We are to testify. God has brought you to salvation to be a witness. And so what does that mean? That we use our voices to tell. That we use 
our voices, our tongues to proclaim, to witness, to testify, to share, to proclaim. And I want you to consider how your tongue, how your voice can be used by God in our world today to be a witness. To be a witness of all the amazing things that the Lord has done to show His love to the world. And to help you, we'll consider our theme. Testify so that others may believe. Uh, do you know what it means to testify? I remember when I first preached this, it was on my vicarage year, and my bishop said, Paul, before you preach this text, you have to know what it means to testify. You know what it means to be a witness? And I said, yeah, that's that eyewitness deal, you know, where you see it and you speak it. And he goes, no, there's a little more to it than that. He says, I want you to go study. It wasn't complicated. Witness simply means to share, to tell, to proclaim, to loosen the tongue, to speak. And that's what John the Baptist did. That was his job. He had a job to do. And his job was to tell. John the Baptist was not the light. He came only as a witness, as a testimony to the light. And after his birth, John's father, Zechariah, said, You, my child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, the prophet of Jesus, for you will go before the Lord, but you'll go before Jesus to prepare His way. And John was a popular preacher. People loved uh, his, his message. They loved his voice. They loved uh, until they, they realized what he was saying, and then they didn't like it so much. But people came from far and wide to hear him preach. Kind of just like me. It's, it, you know, no. He had a powerful following. Huge numbers came to listen to him. And he set up his pulpit. He set up his pulpit in the desert, in the middle of nothing, in the wilderness. A voice of one calling in the wilderness. Who sets up a pulpit in the desert? And then people come flocking to him. Well, these people knew this was a prophet. The people knew that something was unusual about this guy. And he was weird. Not only did he set up a pulpit in the desert, but he wore camel's hair and he ate uh, locusts and honey. And, and, and people found him and they tracked him down and they came to listen. Because God sent John to be a voice. Last week in our text, Isaiah 40, which I don't know why it's not this week when we're talking about John, but that chapter uh, foretold about John's arrival. A voice cries in the desert, prepare the way of the Lord. And so John breaks into the people's lives, into their dark world of sin, and he brings them God's word. He delivers the word of God to them. And this word of God shatters their false hopes because they had hoped in a false Messiah, one who would set up his kingship here on earth and take away all their pains and woes and ouchies and make their lives better here and now. Oh, they would be gravely disappointed in the Messiah. So much so that they would eventually turn against him and nail him to a cross. But John the Baptist speaks and it shatters their false hopes. It crushes their human stubborn pride. 
But his message was calling them out of darkness into the marvelous light, calling them out of the darkness and the lostness of their sin because the people were lost and condemned people. And they needed a Savior. They needed to come into the light. And when you come into the light, your sins are exposed. And when your sins are exposed, there's only one place to take them. To the cross of Jesus, to the light. I, let me illustrate uh, this darkness and this light thing by using the illustration I've used before. But, you know, when, when, when she wrote her book, it was such a powerful book back in the day, Helen Keller. Now, if you remember Helen Keller, she was blind and deaf. She couldn't see and she couldn't communicate with the world around her. Can you imagine back in those days? You know what they used to do with children like that? They'd put them in a room and lock the door because they were like wild animals. Nobody could communicate to them. There was no way to touch them. So they would just they would change their, change their diaper, throw in some food and some water, let them eat and drink, and, and they'd do your best to take care of them. Well, there was a teacher named Ann Sullivan who took the challenge. She, wanted, she knew there was a soul inside she knew there was a person trapped inside that wanted to communicate to the world outside. And she wanted to help that soul to see. She wanted to help that soul to understand. Because she knew how miserable it must have been to be trapped in darkness. Not able to communicate. And eventually, after months of training, Helen Keller broke through. She broke out of her darkness and she records the moment in her book. Someone was drawing water and my teacher, again, this is Helen writing, writing, writing these, this stuff. Someone was drawing water and my teacher placed my hand under the spout of water. As a cool stream gushed over one hand, she spelled into the other the word water. First rapidly and then slowly. I stood still, and I, my whole attention fixed on the motion of her fingers. And suddenly, the, the mystery of language was revealed to me. I knew that W-A-T-E-R meant that wonderful, cool thing that was flowing over my hand. That living word awakened in my soul. It gave my soul light and hope and joy that living word set my soul free i imagine it did but that's what the light of christ living word does to you it sets your soul free oh and you may not think it's such a wonderful thing you and i have been seeing and hearing since we were baptized we're used to seeing and hearing it's it becomes commonplace to us, and we understand all that because we live in the light of the Lord all the time. But do you understand, don't you, that there are millions in the world today in, in, in Spencer, Iowa, here, who walk in darkness like Helen Keller. Their souls have no hope. They are in torment and will be tormented forever unless delivered. They're trapped in the darkness of their sin. They're trapped under the curse of death. And they don't understand their situation. Oh, they can see physically and they can hear physically. But they can't see and hear spiritually. 
they're spiritually blind and spiritually deaf. And they walk in darkness. This is the way Jesus describes it. These people have become closed-minded and hard of hearing. They've shut their ears so that their eyes never see, their ears never hear, their minds never understand. See, Jesus understood. And again, Isaiah prophesied all this would happen. The people who have walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those dwelling in the land of deep darkness, a light has shone. John the Baptist was a flashlight. He wasn't the light. He pointed the people to Christ. That was his job, to be a witness. And the religious leaders around the area from Jerusalem were paying attention. All the, they sent a delegation. Who are you? And they challenged him. John the Baptist used Isaiah's prophecy to describe his life. I'm the one, the voice. I'm the voice of one calling in the wilderness. And all the delegations said, oh, that's a prophecy. Isaiah said this would happen a long time ago. And, and John the Baptist said, that's right. I'm the voice calling in the wilderness. Make straight the way for Christo, for the Messiah, for the Lord. A voice crying in the wilderness. Sometimes that's the way I feel, like a voice crying in the wilderness. Oh, I know you're listening, but the world isn't. Sometimes I feel that you're in a pulpit in the desert and you're preaching and so many to reach and so few paying attention. Well, they may hear the words, but sometimes I feel like the words fall on deaf ears and deaf souls. It seems fewer paying attention and fewer still understand. It seems like the whole world is walking in this land of darkness, this land of hopelessness, this dark world of Helen Keller. And there's a challenge to reach them, to reach that soul trapped inside, to give them hope, to communicate to that, but it seems impossible. And that's a fitting way to describe you too. A voice of one crying in the wilderness. Because it's your job too. You join me in the proclamation. You join me in telling your children and your neighbors and your friends and your family. You are also a voice, a witness, a testimony to the lost and dark and dying world. Turn to Jesus. Turn to Jesus. Come to Jesus and live. But it seems few are listening. But God has made you to be His own. God has called you to be His own. God has called you to be His voice. Peter said it this way, You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation, a people for His own possession, that you may proclaim. Loosen your tongue. Lift up your voice. Be a witness, be a testimony of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. You know, God gave you a voice. God gave you a voice and didn't give the angels that voice. 
We don't hear the message of God proclaimed from the angels except in the fields of Bethlehem. No, you're his witnesses. You are the Advent messengers. You are the Lenten messengers. You are the Good Friday messengers. You are the Easter messengers. You know, you, you join, we join our voice together to reach out in a way to touch the world for Jesus' sake. And we take on the challenge knowing that it's not easy to touch a trapped soul, to save souls in darkness. But our message is clear. It has never changed. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him will not perish, but have everlasting life. It's not a hard message. You know, here's a, a saying that is true of you and me. I'm a nobody telling everybody about somebody that can save anybody. Listen to this truth because I am a nobody. I am by nature sinful and unclean. I am a lost and condemned creature without Jesus Christ. Without Him, I become nothing. I am nothing. My future is nothing. I have no hope. Without Jesus, I walk in darkness, trapped in the darkness of my sin for all eternity. However, He has come to make me somebody. He has come to claim me as His own. He has come to make me His child, and you are His own. You belong to Him. And just as the Lord chose John to be a voice to his day, the Lord has chosen you to be a voice in yours. You know, there once was a children's Christmas program. It was irreverent. It was in the church sanctuary. An irreverent children's Christmas program that didn't spend a whole lot of time talking about Jesus. Oh, they talked about elves and snow and and reindeer and presents and Santa. And all the songs talked about that and sang about that. And the Christians in the, in the congregation were getting upset and they were getting ready to leave. They were disgusted. It wasn't about Jesus. About then the lights went out. The congregation sat in complete darkness. And suddenly up from the church balcony a voice called out, all men are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall because the breath of the Lord blows on them. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God stands forever. The point was made, and then in the darkness, the Christmas tree lit. And the church choir broke out in Handel's Messiah. Gloria, Gloria, in excelsis Deo. King of kings and Lord of lords forever and ever. Alleluia, alleluia. And the voice reminds us, doesn't it? Life is temporary. Life is fleeting. And we may have the snow, and we may have the family, and we may have the presents, and we may have the friends, and all the decorations, and all the fun of Christians, but it means nothing without Christ. It comes to nothing without Christ. And that's the message. That's the voice. 
That's the testimony to share with the world. We are the voice of Christ. Lift up your voice, O people of God. Loosen the tongue. Sing your hymns of praise that your neighbors can hear. Proclaim to a world yet unsaved. Proclaim to a world who still walks in darkness, trapped. Jesus is Lord. Oh, come let us adore Him. Those who can't understand what you're saying because they walk in the sin of unbelief. Communicate to their souls. And as you speak, the Holy Spirit will do His job. As you speak, the Holy Spirit will work through your words to touch their hearts the way Ann Sullivan eventually worked to touch the heart of Helen Keller. That's what Ann Sullivan did. That's what she was able to do for Helen. And we pray the same for all who are spiritually deaf and blind. Amen. And now may the peace of God that passes all understanding keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus and to life everlasting. Amen.